Lead Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective, hosted by Tim Allman and Jack Kalliberg. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at uniteleadership.org. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. Tim Allman here with Jack Kalberg. Today's topic uh, is one I am very passionate about, Jack. We, as the LCMS, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, a close to 200-year-old church body, we have what the world needs. The best of our historic confession, uh, the liturgy, our solid tension-filled theology, and the mission of God, the Missio Dei, uh, bringing Amen. word and sacrament to people who are walking in darkness in need of the light of Christ. And what gets uh, kind of frustrating uh, to me is we are very uh, good at because we, we I think I think there's something within the Germ- Germanic, European, mm-hmm. Western, uh, educated intelligentsia. There's something within us that likes to fine-tune, fine-parse all different points of both our theology and our sociology. And we have lost over time, J.O. the third, my good friend who went to be with Jesus just recently, uh, we have lost the ability to disagree agreeably. Now, maybe not everybody has lost it, but it seems within the culture, uh, the way of the LCMS, especially at, at some of the highest levels, uh, we have institutionalized a passive aggressive behavior where we may kind of shake our heads and act nice to one another um, when we see one another. But then we're hitting each other. We're talking bad about each other behind one another's backs. It's very it's very dysfunctional. Um, we need to we need to unite today more than ever because we have what the world needs. Any kind of general thoughts as you've kind of come into you. You were an outsider in the LCMS, Jack. I and am. Then, you know, 15 20 years ago or so, you kind of came in and you love our theology. You're growing in your love for our theology more and more, but you share that kind of angst for our inability, it seems, to disagree agreeably. Yeah, I was baptized Lutheran in the Norwegian Lutheran Church as an infant um, and then raised Pentecostal. And um, honestly, that experience caused me to not want to be involved. I was always Christian, so I kept my Mm. Christian faith, but... I did not want to be involved in any type of a church because of the experience that I had there. Um, As I got older and got married, I kind of started to not be so apprehensive about the idea of church and um, got connected to Christ Greenfield because that's where my sister was coming and they had Mm -hmm. probably one of the best youth programs here Mm -hmm. and sat down, listened to the sermon and saw that all we did was preach the gospel. Like we just went to the Bible and there in, and it was rooted in the Bible, and we had this strong tradition of theological education that we held our pastors to, and I actually loved that. That was actually probably the number one thing that attracted me to that church because of my background. Now, that's what attracted me. That's not necessarily what's attract what would attract everybody. That's the key thing that I have to keep in my mind. And I would say, as an outsider looking in, the, the advantages, the strong, strong, strong confessional basis that we have that's rooted in the Bible, it's been vetted, it's been discussed, like fights have been ha- had about that. <laughs> if you have a fight about it for the right reason, I'm okay with that, right? 
but keep that internal. Don't <laughs> don't make this about the people that you're trying to reach in the community. That's that's probably what I would what I would say about that, right? If you're going to have a robust discussion, you know, about um, the real presence of God in the in the elements of in bread and wine, that that is a good thing for theologi- theologians to talk about. This should not be something, though, that creates a stumbling block for people that, that should be connected to the local church. I'll give you an example, Tim. This was not in our church, um, but it was in a, uh, a Wisconsin um, church that I'm not going to mention, but my parents happened to be going at the time. I came to visit, and I was introduced to the pastor, and he said, hey, Jack, nice to meet you. I just want you to let you know that you can't be a part of communion today. Okay, cool. That was his nice. introduction to me, right? <laughs> nice so to that was. <laughs> If, if they want to have that policy, fine, but think about the the disposition that you have, the attitude that you have towards people that you may consider unbelievers, right? Mm. So I'm not even arguing whether or not you should, you know, let members and non-members. I'm not even getting into that argument. What I'm saying is what is your disposition towards people in the community? Have you put the mission of God above your internal care giving for yourself and just the people that you're already connected with? And that's the key thing that I I want to be challenging (laughs) uh, people in the LCMS about because we want to die on doctrine. We want to die on it uh, rather than reach new people sometimes, right? Not all the time, but sometimes we see that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We have gone, I think, in in many of our our contexts too far on one end of the confessional missional Continuum. If you didn't check out the blog I wrote a few uh, weeks ago, we the LCMS have what the world needs. We, we talk about it there. But if you move too far on the confessional side, what do you get to, Jack? If you move too far on the confessional side, let's call it the orthodox side, you get mm-hmm. into legalism, right? Yeah, and I think that's that. That is a very legalistic introduction when you meet yes. someone and you start the relationship based on what they can't do rather than, wow, we're grateful right. you're here to, to hear the gospel. Right. It became about righteousness. That's what it was, like works righteousness. That's what it was then. Regardless of what you thought about the issue, that conversation became about works righteousness. Yeah. Right? And on the other end of the continuum, I think the fear of many of our Orthodox confessional brothers and sisters is that those of us that talk about mission are compromising solid confessional liturgical, Heresy. You know, historically faithful theology. We're not right. compromising. But if you go too far there, you could end up doing and saying things that are counter to the to the way of Jesus. And I think, Jack, let's just go to Jesus. I've been saying right. this for a long period of time. Look at how Jesus led. Look at how he challenged the orthodox power of the Pharisees. Look at how he loved the outsider and also challenged their, their behavior. He, he totally worked in a countercultural way um, that invited. So who did he invite near? The broken, the yep. humble, the hurting. Prostitutes, tax that, collectors, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and those that were prideful, you know, he, he wanted them to be led to repentance, right. to confess their, their pride. And I think there's a, a strong contingent within our, our church body who are overly, overly legalistic, overly prideful. Like, here yeah. is the way. And if you lose love, you have lost the way of Jesus. You gave me a really good quote, Jack, from Luther's uh, Freedom of a Christian. Yeah. And, and what Luther leans into here is that middle 
course or the middle way. way. Talk about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky now in, in my studies in with Luther House in the Kairos program, I'm, I'm writing a pressy on uh, freedom of a Christian. And that is a fantastic document by Luther, which he calls, he calls that document um, basically a summary of all of Christian living is, is the way he's trying to articulate it. So he goes into some great concepts about righteousness and freedom and bondage and stuff like that. But then he kind of starts finishing up his document with what he calls Paul's middle way. And a lot of this has to do with ceremonialism, right? Uh, the practice of ceremonies. He said, look at Paul, right? He, he raised up one pastor and required him to be circumcised. He raised up another one and forbade him from being circumcised because that was, was necessary for the community. This wasn't about whether or not he was righteous in circumcision. This was about what kind of stumbling blocks are we creating for people? The witness. That's the, the witness. way that we think about it. And Luther encourages people when they think that righteousness is in their ceremonies to actually intentionally not do those ceremonies. And when somebody is ignorant about faith to be overly accommodating about ceremonies so that it's not a stumbling block. So he's actually giving discernment to the ministry leader to say, based on the, the spiritual maturity of the, of the people that you're reaching, you've got incredible flexibility and don't make this about legalism, right? And also don't make it about pride. Don't not do a ceremony out of pride and think that that's making you righteous, <laughs> right? And so we see yeah, that exactly. sometimes even in Lutheranism, like we're going to not do something thinking that that makes us righteous. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is he, he leans very heavily on Paul's middle way. I don't, we don't need to read the whole quote, but I would encourage people to, to read the article about that. Um, but think about this. He kind of says, don't follow the right. Don't follow the left. Follow Jesus and be made right. Yeah. So one of our hopes is that whether you lean a little right, and I would say, you know, very tradition oriented, this is the way we do things. Could you just start to incorporate like the mission of God? Why, why, uh, why did Jesus come? It's because the world is broken and in need of his love and his life. They needed God to, to make things right. And that's why Jesus is going to come again. So could you could you start to say uh, to a number of your members, even if you lean in more of a traditional conservative, you know, of like we don't hate church, like we don't exist for us. Um, the word and sacrament is given to you to mo- forgive your sins. Yes. And to mobilize you for love and good deeds for the sake of those who don't know Jesus. And then for those of you who who lean a little bit more on the, and it's not liberal, like theologically liberal, that's a bad word, but more mm-hmm. mission-oriented, could you start to lean into more of the traditions and the liturgies, the way? I'll give you a real, real so life So that they example. can get the spiritual care of that, that that would exactly. provide. Exactly. Exactly. The depth of theology, which is, which is beautiful. Like if I were to enter in, and I've heard some pastors do this, like if you know my story, I've been a worship leader you know, contemporary, I've sung hymns and choirs, you know, but I've also led kind of uh, on on stages with, you know, contemporary bands and, and with modern instrumentation. You may think that that immediately means I'm like a liberal theologian. No, that's not true. I also dress up in a robe and lead the divine service, uh, one, two, and three, every single week. For me to enter into Christ Greenfield, and we've got half of our community, both in person and online, that prefer that style of, of worship. For me to say, nah, because my preference is, and I've kind of done a lot of this modern worship stuff, we're not going to do it. Like, that would be very unwise and mm-hmm. very harmful 
to the holistic care of the body of Christ here at, at right. Christ Greenfield. So I think we have, again, let's just talk worship here. Like I think modern expressions of, of songs and new writers of, of deeply theological Lutheran songs uh, and we have that movement going on right now within our church body, like this should be celebrated. And at the very same time, a lot of our contemporary, and we've had deep discussions about this at a national level, a lot of our contemporary services should still embrace the liturgy from mm-hmm. the invocation to the benediction. When I came to Christ Greenfield, I think there were a number of folks that thought, because I was young and I'd led worship, like I was going to kind of bend to say, we're just going to do songs and then we're going to do some preaching and then we're going to close with another song. Like, nah, uh, our Lutheran liturgy is a major distinguisher for us in the wider evangelical landscape, Jack. And so and you it connects be, us 500 years and then even beyond exactly. 500 years, 2000. Yep. 2000 years to like the very, very early forms of worship. When we start thinking about the ancient creeds that we recite and that's what I actually love. Like, I encourage when we say the Nicene Creed, we say, hey, you know, this, this creed goes back 1,700, 1,800 years. The churches yeah. have, been, have been sharing this creed to say this is what we believe. And think about now how you're connected to all of the body of believers through this confession. Yeah, exactly. So can we resist labels? Like, if a church is doing contemporary, you know, they're obviously naturally, could we resist labels and lean into relationship? Can we resist setting up all of these hardcore rules and lean into relationship? This is what is going to unite us uh, moving forward because we have what the world needs. I, I, I spent a little bit of time in that blog talking about Seminex, Jack, and you don't yeah. have a memory of this, no. but uh, generationally, I, I do connected. Yeah. I remember my grandpa talking about it. I remember my dad making a choice about which seminary he went to because the faculty at Concordia Seminary Fort Wayne, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, where he graduated, had not been as decimated as the faculty at Concordia St. Louis. So a lot of, I think, the boomer leaders still have that residual, there's wounds that still have not fully healed. And so as they hear us talking about the church engagement model and moving into all these like this is church growth and and you're yeah. obviously if you're moving toward mission you're obviously compromising theology that is a false dichotomy absolutely and we've we've talked about it we've done podcasts even on the concept of false dichotomies just because something is true doesn't necessarily make another thing false two things can be exactly. true at the same time you can be confessional and missional right you can be traditional and liturgical and embrace innovative ways of reaching new people. These are not things that have to be in conflict unless you are forcing it to be in conflict by your inability to think flexibly about things, which goes against what Luther is saying when he talks about the middle way. (laughs) Right? Exactly. I would say more of our divides. And I think this is true probably within any denomination. So I'm not just like calling out the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod per se, but a lot of our divides are more sociological than they are theological, Jack. Yep. There's more of a of a personality. Like the, the the ones who are the mission are more, I think, seen as the the extroverts, the entrepreneurs, those that are creating new things. And then the spirit more filled of the, people, right? The spirit <laughs> filled leaning passion. on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah passion, exactly. right? Mm. Passion filled people. And then on the other hand, you have more of the deep thinkers. The Stoics Those who are slower, more stoic, and we need both 
We do. Kinds of people. We do. They need uh, to be together. To balanced. They need yeah. to be together. They need to be in community. They should be in small group together, right? They should exactly. They should bounce things off of each other and grow together and challenge each other. I've been yeah. challenged. Like I'm. I honestly, I'm probably more of that stoic type of person, while also having certain sort of engineer type of architectural innovation sort of thoughts. And I've been challenged by a lot of people that are different than me. I was reflecting on one of the best friends I ever had in life. And we did a personality test and we were literally exactly the opposite on the Myers-Briggs. And we just thought it was hilarious that two people so different got along so well. And it was because we complimented each other. Like they, we would just think differently about things and just enjoyed bouncing ideas off somebody that was different. About 15 years ago, Jack, uh, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod instituted the Koinonia Project. Uh, Vice President Herb Mueller was put in charge of that project, and I covered a lot of it in my thesis, and it had minimal success. What they found was that it was very hard for pastors who were frankly just immature. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. to call it. They couldn't, they couldn't handle different you know, they were threatened. Their insecurities uh, were threatened by those who were different. And so in, in some cases, they got folks across the very small aisle, which is conservative and, and mission-minded Lutheranism. Sometimes they got them together, but a lot of times it was a, a, a fruitless project. So I would give the invitation, the challenge, both to our synodical president and to our district president, all the way down to circuit leaders, invite people into relationship around areas of disagreement, that they could learn to disagree agreeably, find their areas of commonality. Um, I'm just going to close this, and you can have some closing comments too, Jack, but I just I just want to, this is not, I'm not uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. or anything mm-hmm. like that, but I, I love using, I, I imagine the day when, or I dream of the day when. So I'm just going to give you kind of this closing, closing section from that blog. I dream of the day when we recognize our sociological and personality differences are viewed as a strength and not a hindrance to our church body. I dream of a day when we yearn to learn from those who are doing ministry in different cultures and contexts, and we tell the stories of diverse leaders reaching diverse communities with the never-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. I dream of the day when diverse educational models are championed by our existing seminaries and universities, all for the sake of meeting the needs of the local church in diverse contexts. I dream of the day when national, district, and institutional leaders realize they exist to bless the needs of the local church, not the other way around. And then they listen to the solutions offered by local church leaders. Last one, I dream of the day when national and district leaders can be honest about the current national decline of our church body, both of churches, members, and leaders, and then invite the Holy Spirit to give them fresh vision for discovering, developing, and deploying disciples of Jesus to reach the lost. I dream of a day for our church body like that, Jack, because we theologically have what the world needs. Amen. Um, to reach those who who need Jesus. Any closing comments from you? No, I I totally agree. I believe we do have what the what the world needs. We have a unique theology that sets us apart in many ways. The way that we hold things in tension, the the middle path, the embracement yeah. of the middle path, honestly, is I think what makes us so unique and special. The desire to innovate. If we actually follow Luther's you know, example. He was an innovator in worship yeah. while also somebody who wanted to keep connected to the roots, the original roots, the the, the clean roots of what the, the formation of the church looked like. I think if we double down on that while having an open hand at the same time, 
I don't see any limits to the potential of, of our denomination, but that is a cultural thing. And I, that's where I pray for is that change, changing culture. Amen. People have asked, Jack, what's the ULC all about? What are you guys even doing? You know, okay, yeah, we're consulting. We're bringing cohorts of churches together. We're exploring new models for raising up leaders. But it's it's really greater than that. We're a network of churches honestly asking tough questions about the current and future trajectory of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And then in real time, based on the needs of local churches, offering real solutions, real tests that we pray districts and synodical leaders uh, will recognize. And not just critique, but, but champion a number <laughs> yeah. of these, number of these texts. Hey, Jack, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Thanks. Sherry, great work, Karen, get the great, get the word out about what the ULC is doing, please. If you've got any comments, please leave those. This is about a discussion. This is an open discussion. This is not from on high. We're just real-time leaders trying to bring real-time solutions to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are taking this in, uh, please share, like, leave us comments that help gets the word out. We'll see you next week on Lead Time. Peace. God bless. Good job, Jack. You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC consults and brings together cohorts of congregations to build the culture, systems, and structures of intentional discipleship multiplication. To go deeper with us, create a free login on uniteleadership.org for access to exclusive materials and resources. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.